The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, July 1st, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me, and we are now living in a country where student-athletes can legally profit from their name, image, and likeness rights. Remarkably, the world has not ended. From the sport of men's college basketball, Iowa's Jordan Bohannon is signing autographs at a fireworks stand today. The fireworks stand is appropriately called Boomin. It's in Windsor Heights, Iowa. They are paying him to be there. Deadleg, how are you enjoying living in a time when student-athletes are legally cashing in in a variety of ways on their name, image, and likeness. I'm enjoying it. You enjoying it? I'm enjoying it. You know, it is uh, it is a whole new world here. If you want to start with that as opposed to the fact that, you know, listen, July 1, Eastern Kentucky, it's out. Out of the OVC, off to the ASUN with Jacksonville State. That's fine. The WAC just added like 16 new teams. But, yes, the NIL now being a thing is uh listen man this we're not all the way there with college athlete empowerment but this is a truly significant step and i can't wait for just the ridiculous things that are going to happen <laughs> like the unpredictable stories the fallouts i saw oh my gosh i saw spencer hall tweet something that i thought was so true i thought about this Uh, And in fact, I was talking about it with some coaches at a recruiting event I was at last weekend where who knows where this is going to go and what we're going to see and how fast this is going to happen. And we'll get to that in a second. But I do think there will be some uh, unintentional backfires here. Spencer Hall tweeted this. uh, He goes, can't wait for the first student athlete who has to say something like, I apologize for endorsing Randy's taffy and firearms. I want my fans to know that I do not endorse white supremacy or its followers and had no idea Randy was like that. I do think the potential for that is there. I also want to note that uh, Oklahoma State coach Mike Boynton tweeted out something Thursday morning, and he's he's 100% right about this. Like, this is a really good day, but never underestimate the potential for a grifters to grift. And I do think that these college athletes that now have these – rights to profit off their name, image, and likenesses need to be aware and surround themselves with good people so that they don't get ripped off. You know, I do think that's another element of this that is going to be out there more than ever. And so while it is a very joyous day uh, and, a, and, a, and an overdue day, um, I do think there are some, uh, I don't know if unintended, unintended consequences is, is exactly the right term here, but I do think there's a lot of ways that this can go and will go, not just today and in the next week, but in the next few months as we learn more and more about just what exactly athletes can and will do to, uh, to benefit off this new rule. I am in favor of these student athletes educating themselves and being careful. And, and I believe as, as Mike tweeted, reading the fine print, but these are adults. They're often called kids. 
all oh, those those kids at Duke or those kids at Kentucky, um, even by people in the media, they call them kids all the time. They're not kids. I had two kids running around downstairs. One is seven, one is four. They're kids. These student athletes we're talking about are adults. And I'm sure that there is going to be an example somewhere. I think it'll be rare, but there will be an example somewhere where somebody is taken advantage of, where somebody is ripped off, where somebody does make a mistake, where somebody does endorse something that they should not be endorsing. But, by the way, this happened to Hall of Fame football player Brett Favre a few years ago. He had to apologize for endorsing something that he should not have been endorsing. So the world didn't end when it happened to Brett Favre. We didn't put any guardrails in place to try to prevent it from happening to Brett Favre. We just sort of all laughed at it and moved on. And I suspect that's that's what's going to happen here when these things do happen here. That is one of the many arguments against what's happening right now happening that you know, these young people will be taken advantage of. Like I just explained, I, I don't, it's not that I don't care th- that somebody could be taken advantage of. I just don't think that's a reason not to have what we have in place in place. Like when those situations arise, you, you, you deal with them and, and hopefully learn from them. And maybe other people can learn from them. The other one I saw last night, and it's just amazing. These people keep trying to make these arguments that, you know, nobody's listening to you anymore. Nobody's buying them anymore. Like one last night, Andy Staples and I were, um, participating in, somebody said, well, you know, these young people, might have even called them kids, going to have to learn about taxes because you're going to have to pay taxes on this stuff. Uh, okay. Like, okay. Have you ever heard anybody else in any other walk of life try to tell a young person they shouldn't work, earn, because of taxes? Of course not. <laughs> but, but, but people do it with student athletes as if like that's a, that you shouldn't t- earn anything because you'll have to pay some of it to the United States government. We're like what? Oh, uh, what? It doesn't make sense anywhere else. Like I was a college uh, student once upon a time. I worked. I don't remember even thinking about taxes. I had 1099s, like I delivered pizzas for Papa John's and Pizza Hut. But then I also would write uh, for the Commercial Appeal or the Memphis Flyer. I did stories for the Washington Post. And I got paid and then I had to pay taxes on that income. And like, I don't even remember it being a thing. It was just like something that got handled. And I was not like some sophisticated young person. As I pointed out on Twitter last night, I'm from Mississippi, the first college graduate in my family. You should not assume I, at the age of 20, was any more or less sophisticated, not perhaps less, yeah. perhaps less sophisticated than, than your average student athlete. So it just doesn't make any sense to, to, to base your counter argument um, on that. Uh, another one that you hear, like, okay, good, luck in, good luck with your locker rooms, because some people are going to be making a lot, and others aren't going to be making as much. Uh, that that sports at every other level other than the NCAA level, yeah, and it has been forever. Yeah, like there's a there's a there's a uh, NBA locker room where somebody makes thirty million dollars and somebody else makes three hundred thousand dollars, and I never heard about two guys fist fighting over that. It'll be fine if the Yankees can figure that out, and the Warriors can figure that out, and the Buccaneers can figure that out. Then I'm going to assume that Minnesota can 
I mean, you're well. going to have great locker rooms and, and bad locker rooms. I actually I talked about this very thing. There was a recruiting event last week, and afterward, uh, a few coaches went out to dinner, uh, and I joined them, and this exact thing came up where some coaches disagreed with it. A couple coaches were actually – they were still believing like this could actually cause an issue in their locker room because you might have one or two players that are actually able to profit in a significant way off of this while no one else can. Uh, but there was pushback uh, to, to one coach in particular who is a power conference coach. And it was more like, you know, if there's going to be issues there, the money issue might exacerbate it to a certain degree. But if, if it's going to be there, that's not going to be the sole reason why that exists. And, and even if it does, so be it. I mean, the players, if you have issues in your locker room, usually it goes way beyond that. And it will, it, it'll start with playing time more than anything else. But I don't, I find that to be a, an invalid concern and just another thing that's put out there to try and resist a day that's long overdue. It's one of the, the boogeyman that people put out there. Like, this yeah. is going to cause problems, except watch, watch. It just won't. It just won't cause problems. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady was making way more money than perhaps everybody, but certainly most. It was fun. They seemed like they had a happy locker room, you know? Like, yeah. it's just, that is the way sports works at every other level above the NCAA. There's no reason it can't work fine at the NCAA level as well. Um, the other thing that's become obvious already is that the people who have spent the past couple of years um, insisting this would only benefit a handful of people were just dead wrong. This is going to benefit thousands and thousands of people to different levels, certainly. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a, a chain in Nebraska, I'm sure you saw this, that announced that they will have a deal on the table for every student athlete in the state of Nebraska. Like everybody's, I don't know what that's going to include, but everybody's, there's a chance. I don't want to say everybody, but the majority of student athletes, certainly at the high major level, are going to be able to benefit in some way. For some, it will be big national brands, Gatorade, McDonald's, uh, Nike, Under Armour. For others, it'll be local, uh, you know, uh, uh, local businesses. Um, for some, it'll be, social media stuff like here's another thing we're finding out having a big following on social media yes is arguably more important than being a great player in a mainstream sport there's a young woman named Libby Dunn she's a gymnast at LSU she has more than five million followers um, combined on TikTok and Instagram and there's some thought that she's going to be a millionaire like like we've constantly been talking about the quarterback at while in know, college to be clear Oh sure. Yeah, I know. I'm just like the, yeah, not not an eventual yeah. millionaire. Like attending like an school. Event, like a, like a, like a millionaire next week. <laughs> like a millionaire next week. Um, she, you know, she's a, had you ever heard of her a month ago? No, I had not either. But I'm just reading and reading and reading, and I'm like, uh, okay, let's go check out this Libby Dawn. And then I went to her Instagram page, and I'm like, okay, I understand. She takes a lot of pictures in swimwear. You don't think there's a swimwear deal in place for her? So we've thought for a while it's going to be the quarterback at Clemson or the running back at Alabama or the point guard at Kansas. And those players are all going to benefit to certain degrees. I saw the Clemson quarterback tweeting about Delta the other day and then like hashtag <laughs> July 1st. Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, I did see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, he, yeah. Might, he might have a Delta deal, you know, uh, you know by the weekend. Uh, but it's not just the star athletes in the big sports. 
It's going to be Libby Dunn. It's going to be, let's just speak frank about it, the attractive um, uh, uh, female student athlete who has an incredible social media following. Like there's a pair of twins who play basketball at Fresno State. They're right. gonna cash in. They already Libby they Dunn. already started. Yeah, Boost. Uh, I think it was Boost Mobile. They had they had it all locked and loaded for July one. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like this is the, the, I remember reading. I mean, I don't have to identify anybody by name because it's okay to be wrong. But like the people who were saying this is only gonna benefit benefit a handful of people, they're just wrong. It's gonna benefit a lot of people. Now it should be, should be pointed out. Though the twins at Fresno State had it, as you put it, locked and loaded, ready to go for July 1st. And so did, you know, Jordan Bohannon. He, t- he tweeted yesterday, I'll be at the fireworks stand tomorrow. I love, I love it. Love it. Um, and there was one, did you see this one? The Michigan, you did see it. I saw you tweeted the oh. Michigan State football player. You want to get into this right now? Because we're going to this right now. Okay. Never heard of this dude. Matthew Coughlin? Coughlin? Yeah, I guess. I don't Love know. this. Love this. I'm surprised we didn't. How, how deep into the podcast are we right now? We are. We're 13 minutes in. Oh, we buried the lead. We buried the lead. <laughs> At 9.51 on Thursday morning, Matthew Coughlin tweets, This is a paid tweet to tell you to listen to the Locked On Spartans podcast. I've never listened to it, but I'm sure it's not terrible. <laughs> this is phenomenal. And so, like, what did he get for that? Maybe it's 200 bucks. Maybe, maybe it's, it's 20 bucks. I don't care. The point is this freaking podcast name checks an active college athlete in the first 10 seconds of every episode. Do we got to do, do you and I got to like put up like 250 bucks a piece and drop a note to Leaky Black to get him to tweet out to listen to the Ion College Basketball podcast? I think this might be mandatory at this point because we are the podcast made for this exact Thing. If we Leaky if we Black. don't get a deal if we don't get a deal done with Leaky Black, like I'm being serious right now we should get a deal done with Leaky Black. Well, I mean, I saw Dan Wetzel tweet, "What college athletes should we use to promote their Yahoo Sports College podcast?" And I want to be like, "Dude, we are the one. It is this podcast. We got to leak. We got to we got to link up with Leaky in a hurry here, and we got to get we got to get something done. This uh, th- now that we are in this era, how much you th- how much you think we got to pay Leaky Black to 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 tweet about the Island College basketball podcast. Is he, I mean, if he'll do it for... I, listen, it's it's one tweet. If it's one tweet, I don't know. 300 bucks seems fair. Seems worth it, right? I'll give Leaky Black $300. <laughs> and by the way, how awesome is it that I can now just give Leaky Black $300 if I want to? <laughs> I love it. Oh, Abs- it's so good. It's Ab- so good. Abs- absolutely uh, love it. And so... We got here in recent days because the NCAA just basically said, "Do what you want to do." <laughs> oh know, my we're, gosh! Yes, we're we're at, we're out of it. Like we ain't trying to get sued again. Oh so like, gosh. you know, if you're in a state with name, image, and likeness laws, just go by those laws. And if you're in a state that doesn't have them, just do whatever you want to do. And so, what's going to be interesting is how each school individually handles this. Yes, like which schools are going to try to restrict or limit because like now you're setting yourself up to be sued someday um and which schools are going to say do whatever you want we don't just you know make sure the paperwork's legit but do whatever you want like that's going to be where this really gets interesting and the only thing the ncaa has said is that we don't want it to be a recruiting tool well too bad what are we doing here (laughs) too bad it is going to be uh, a recruiting tool like if you don't think every school recruiting jalen duran right now is making it very oh, yeah. aware, uh, 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 very obvious to him and his people 
what kind of name, image, and likeness rights opportunities would be available to him. Theoretically, if he were to enroll at their school, you are out of your mind. That's happening right now. They are competing against, uh, you know, G League Knight, overtime elite, you know, real quote-unquote professional opportunities. The the way you're going to get him to go to college is by letting him know you're not leaving money on the table. You might be able to make more if you come with us legally. And yeah, so that, that's mean, that so that that's happening. I mean the NCAA can say all it wants. This can't this can't be used for that, but there is literally no way to prevent it. It is it is unpreventable. If I am Kentucky and they're recruiting Jalen Dern, who just jumped Imani Bates, oh, by the way, in the 247 sports rankings for 2022 class. So Jalen's now number one, which is something that was borderline unthinkable like, you know, a year, year and a half ago or whatever. But and the point is, he's being recruited by Kentucky and a bunch of other schools. I am doing everything I can possibly do to convince him not just to play Kentucky, but to show him it's Kentucky. You'll be, our, you'll be the number one recruit. And if you come and play for even just a year, your potential payday is north of five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars, and I do believe it's that high for that kind of player. Number one prospect in his class at Kentucky, you can make tons and tons of money. So yes, to me, that's what this kind of day signals and signifies. There, how quickly some of this stuff is going to get done, we'll have to wait and see on that. Because when I went to this recruiting event last week, I was talking with a few, I was talk, I talked with basically like twelve or so coaches about just just stuff in general and I will say this almost all of them were basically clueless as to how this is going to work because it's not it's their job to be informed about it once we really get into it but at that at this point we're talking six days ago now uh that I talked to them like the compliance people at their school still hadn't written the the policies as far as they were concerned about how this would work so they it was interesting to hear how some of them were just kind of like I, I'm waiting to hear, like, I got to, you know, I would have talked to him Friday and Sunday. I'm waiting to this Tuesday meeting with my AD and compliance people so I just understand more. But I did hear one thing that was interesting because you mentioned how quickly this is going to happen for some and how it might not happen for others and what schools will and won't allow. Hey, free market's going to play out. That'll be really interesting. But one head coach at a school that has what I would define as uh, a top 20 football program said that that AD said, we're going to get this right so, and I don't know how this is going to work, but basically the coach was telling me that the AD said, listen, we're going to get this right and we're going to do it the we're going to do it in a very big way. Like this is going to pay off huge, but we can't turn this by the first week of July. So in essence, even though our players will have theoretically the right to do this, although it is a school by school decision, that particular institution is going to basically try and by like September have all of its stuff buttoned up on the books and is going to go to its athletes and say, listen, you want to chase whatever you want to chase. We're going to let you do it. Just give us like two months to get this right so we can do it right by you. It'll be interesting to see if that actually winds up being the case or if you'll have some of these players. Like this school is, again, it's a top 20 football program. It has marketable athletes on that roster right now. It will be a program that will uh, certainly have hopes of making it into the college football playoff again this season. That's what intrigues me about this is what schools take advantage right now and then what schools might be two, four, six months behind because not everything is happening immediately today, next week, even next month for some of these schools. It is a big day. It's a sea change in the very nature of college athletics, but 
I think you're still going to see, like you might see, we might be talking GP eight weeks from now about some sort of blockbuster sponsorship deal that some college basketball player gets then. Because if you really want to do it right and try and, you know, really capitalize the best way, it's it's not necessarily going to happen all today, tomorrow, and the next day after that. Right. And, and listen, I understand it might take some time for these big deals to come together for these big time players. Um, and some schools might want to, hey, give me a minute, give us a minute to get our head around what's happening. And then we will be able to... Um, better set you up to to flourish in in this space. Um, I get all that, but like, if I'm a basketball player who gets approached by a fireworks stand for two thousand dollars today, I'm going to a fireworks stand for two thousand dollars today, and I'm telling my school like, hey, do your thing. I'm gonna go sell fireworks. You know, like <laughs> yes. I, like I'm not gonna turn down two thousand dollars to go sign autographs at a fireworks stand or or appear at a car lot or at a bank or you know, do, do, you know, send out a tweet or an Instagram post. So it, it, this will develop over time. But l- like we've noted, you're going to see um, student athletes active in this space. You're already seeing it and it, it'll grow from here. You mentioned, you know, if you're Kentucky, you're pursuing the number one prospect in America. You, 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 you let him understand and the people around him, you know, what is possible, like realistic for him if he decides to be a, a student athlete for even one year now that name, image, and likeness rights are a real thing. Uh, there is some fear among some that this is the way it's going to go, that the biggest schools with the biggest boosters and the best corporate backing are going to suddenly get all of the best players. And the, the, the schools with the most money, in the best conferences have been for decades. Follow me here. Buying the best athletic directors, buying the best coaches, buying the best trainers. Why do we draw the line at the players? Exactly. Like if, if you are um, East Carolina and you have a coach and then North Carolina decides it wants your coach, you just lost your coach to North Carolina because they can pay more and it's a better opportunity. So if it works the exact same way for players, I don't care. To care would be hypocritical. But I actually don't think it'll work like that because every school has boosters. Mm -hmm. Every school has corporate backing. Every school has local car dealerships and banks that that support it. And so what what I think is going to be interesting, and Dan Wessel wrote a column sort of touching on this, and more than touching on it, detailing it thoroughly, is if you're a student athlete, you're going to have real decisions to make. Let's say you're being recruited right now by Kentucky. You're ranked 65th in the country. Class of 2022, you're ranked 65th. You're a good player. Kentucky's recruiting. If you go to Kentucky, man, you're at Kentucky. That's, that's pretty wild. But you're also the fifth best player in their, in their class. You're probably not playing much as a mm. freshman. The Mississippi State's also recruiting you. Right. You're going to be the number one prospect Bingo. in Mississippi State's class. Bingo. Is it, is it, in addition to playing time and all of that stuff, is it more profitable for you to go be the star of Mississippi State's recruiting class and be the starting wing for Ben Howland's Bulldogs as opposed to be the fifth best prospect in Kentucky's recruiting class and sit on the bench behind two other five-star prospects? A month ago and in years prior, Mississippi State probably can't beat Kentucky for that prospect. That's what the recruiting rankings show us. But now with name, image, and likeness being a thing, can Mississippi State beat Kentucky for that prospect? 
by saying you're going to go there and be the the fifth most important prospect in their class and play six minutes a game. You come here, you're our number one prospect. You're the star of our recruiting class, and you're starting as a freshman. And we might not have as many big-time boosters as Kentucky has, but we got enough. Mm -hmm. We got enough. We got some that that are, are going to be willing to put real money in your pocket. So people think, I think assume, that the gap between the top of the sport and everybody else is going to widen. I actually think the opposite's true. I think it closes a little bit for many reasons, mostly because of the one I just laid out. Couple more things. Yeah, you're right about. Oh, by the way, I I think that there's the potential for even stuff like this. Kentucky's chasing what would be the number two player in its class, or maybe the number three player, and then even an established power. Gonzaga gets him instead because he'll be the number one player at Gonzaga, basketball only. I think you have an opportunity here for Wichita State, Dayton, VCU, basketball, either in basketball first leagues or basketball first schools or basketball only schools where players will decide to do that. And even stuff like, like you could have Memphis is certainly, I would say, caught up in a recruiting aspect with Penny, and we'll get to him in just a second. But even now, I think this levels the playing field for a school like Memphis, which is always, you know, it's, it, it's knocking on the door of like real sit at the, at the, at the big boy table kind of, kind of stuff in men's basketball in particular. I think this, when you consider the area you live in, you can speak that better than anyone. I think that helps level it out. And yes, I do. I do believe that let's say if, you know, the way it was the top 50 players in a given class would go to, you know, 20 schools total. I think that'll now change from the top 50 players in a given class, go to say 30 schools total. Cause it'll just be one guy goes there instead of there. One guy now goes there instead of there. And just, it'll, it will have a little bit of a, of a downhill effect in a good way. And I think it actually will benefit college basketball. Couple other things here. One, I do want to just shout out the, the fact that we are here. The fact that we actually arrived to this point was because the NCAA was obviously forced to do so. It's hilarious how it, how it literally waited like eight hours to make this official before the state laws kicked in on July 1. That's vintage NCAA and absolutely classic. But also, it was Nancy Skinner, the state legislator in California, that started this whole deal when she pushed to have NIL laws, which, by the way, aren't even on the books in California yet. That was just the first state to do it, and that's what started this, you know, I guess it was, was it more than two years ago now? So shouts to Nancy Skinner, because it was really California that started this where it became irreversible to the point where they can do this. I want to shout one particular, this isn't a phenomenal, Dennis Dodd pointed this out, I think, on Twitter, our colleague on Wednesday. This is now official NCAA language in the Q&A it sent out. Number 12 in its Q&A document. Can individuals enter into NIL agreements with boosters? Yes. Comma. Provided the activity is in accordance with state laws and school policy is not an imper- impermissible inducement and does not constitute pay p- for play. Again, a lot of this stuff is just is simply... It's, ima- uh, it's unenforceable. Uh, it's, like, yeah. And it's not just going to be used um, to lure recruits. It is going to be used to lure recruits, but not only to lure recruits. You know where else it's going to come into play? There's a prospect, there's a player who's a sophomore on your team. And he's thinking about transferring. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to lure him back with, with okay, okay. <laughs> you want more playing time? Got it. Um, you need more 
money. Okay, we can figure this out. Let me call my friend who owns the bank, you know, and let's see if we can get you a bank deal. And then the schools that are trying to lure him off campus to transfer are going to be like, listen, man, you come here. You're our starting point guard. And I also have a friend who's a banker. <laughs> like, this is, this, is, this is the world. Like, if your fear, and I don't think it should be your fear, but if it, your fear is that marketing deals – are going to suddenly be a major factor, if not the determining factor of where people go to school, you're right. That is about to happen. It, 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 if it hasn't been happening already, it is about to happening, uh, about to start happening uh, ASAP. The only thing I would point out is that it'll just be above board as opposed to under the table. Right. Like, we watched players from the state of New York go to Arizona for years. <laughs> you know, like what, what was the main factor there? Uh, we watched some prospects go to LSU after hearing, um, you know, wiretaps played. Like what was the main factor there? All this is going to do is bring it above the table, which is fine with me at least. Like at least, at least now we'll know when that McDonald's All-American goes to that school. We won't have to go, man, I wonder what happened there. We'll know exactly what happened there. A, a car dealer in, in that market was willing to put $150,000 on the table. We'll, we won't have to ask these questions anymore. We'll, we'll, it'll be documented. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Okay, so a couple more things, and then we can move on. So first of all, I want to give a shout to Breaking Tea, which is a which is a which is a T-shirt company. Basically, like stuff happens in sports, and then they capitalize off a moment, and then they put it on a T-shirt, and then people. They, this is a this is a company that was started, you know, three years ago, even less than that, and it's it's it has agreements with like major professional leagues. Well, what we're gonna see here, in fact, it announced this right as we were uh, getting ready to podcast. Uh, Breaking Tea is partnering with college athletes to commercialize NIL with real-time licensed merch, which basically means. Means this. And I think this is this is a this doesn't matter where you're playing. It it just doesn't matter. This actually helps the the shooting guard for the 14th seeded team in the tournament that goes off for like 29 points or hits a buzzer beater to beat the number three seed. The, you know, uh, there's a there's a visual or a call or a, or something that's said by the player afterward that becomes connected to that, and then you put it on a T-shirt. And then the player gets to directly profit off of this. We are going to see this with Breaking Tea and, frankly, probably other, uh, you know, apparel companies that try and market and capitalize off these viral moments. We'll see that in college football within the first two weeks of the season there. And then, I, But I think the NCAA tournament in particular is a spot there. I mean, I've got a Breaking Tea t-shirt that says, Do You Retrieve in Miracles? And it's a reference to UMBC beating Virginia. So we'll have stuff like that, and I think that's a really, really good opportunity. The other thing is, and this is what I wanted to close on, and I wanted to ask you uh, to predict this. Right now, because of the way that all this is set up, you know, you've got uh, nearly a dozen states that have NIL stuff going into effect today or later this month, and then, you know, another, geez, man, easily like another 20 more that have it on the, on the docket, right? It's coming down the assembly line. So because of this, the NCAA on an you know an interim basis here it's it's got this nil policy right okay it's it it's calling it interim because it's hoping for eventually to get congress to rule on something and and then we'll have a, a universal standard across all of college athletics but for now it's with all the schools my question to you is this we look up in five years is it basically going to have proven not to be interim 
and this is just going to be what it is and everything's just going to be fine and it's just going to be the schools running this and there is no universal NCAA wide federally legislated law that mandates this because here that's my guess GP I could be wrong we'll see because there are there are representatives in in in, in the Senate and in state houses that want to uh, help college athletes in a very significant way beyond what the NCAA does but I think we'll we'll look up in like six months we won't have anything from a law, from a bill standpoint at a federal level. And we'll see some occasional stories that are like, whoa, whoa. And we're going to see people break the rules. That's still going to happen. But I think what's just going to dawn on everyone, or at least it should, with people in power at the college level, at the collegiate level, at the NCAA level, they're going to say, yeah, this is kind of just taking care of itself here. You know, as long as we keep it to the schools and the leagues to, to, to determine it themselves, which happens with so many other things at the NCAA level, I think that today is going to prove to be where it just changed. And maybe there'll be something federally down the road. But if you told me in five years it was it was still like it is today, I would not be surprised whatsoever. What do you think? I think that that is a very realistic scenario. The, the, let me tell you the way this is going to play out. I mean, ultimately, we might have a federal law, but I'm, I'm not certain of that. But let me tell you how it's going to play out over the next year or two. This, this, what is happening right now has forever been the NCAA's nightmare. Like, like, like we, we could not, we couldn't hold championships with this uneven playing field and, and, and boosters and, and, and businesses being, you know, throwing money at student athletes. It will be the end of college athletics as we know it. This is what they've tried to argue forever. Here's what you're going to find out. It's just not the end of college athletics. It's just not going to matter much. You know who's going to be playing for the national championship in football in two years? Alabama and Clemson. Do you know who's going to be signing the best recruiting classes in basketball in two years? Kentucky and Duke. It's just not – it. it is going to be different in the sense that student-athletes in all 50 states and way more than the people who argued otherwise assumed are going to be profiting, making, in some cases – pocket money in other cases real significant money but it's not going to change the order of things and then what conference commissioners and university presidents are going to realize is that you know what everything's still rocking and rolling pretty good like we still sold seventeen thousand season tickets you know like this this did not do the things that people who were against this tried to tell us it was going to do that's what you're going to find. You know what it reminds me of? Totally, in some ways, apples to oranges. I get it. But forever, or at least for a couple of decades, you would hear this all the time. Like they'd, they'd be talking about it on outside the lines, or it'd be a radio segment. What's, you know, how's it ever, you know, how's it going to go down when a football player or a basketball player is openly gay in the locker room? Like, ooh, is that going to be a problem? Like, is that good? And then you know, it happens. And guess what? Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It, the thing some people said could really be a thing just turned out to not be a thing at all. And I think this is going to be the same thing. It, there are some who argued if this day ever came, it would be the end of college athletics. It would take away whatever is special about it. It's just not going to. I like, Watch and see. Cameron Indoor going to be sold out. Watch and see. Bryant Denny Stadium sold out. It's not going to impact college athletes. It's going to impact college athletes immensely. It's not going to impact college athletics 
much at all. Yeah. If anything, it just makes it more interesting. Uh, there's just more potential for really outrageous, ridiculous stories and good stories and cool stories as well. So here we are. And the fact that, <laughs> the fact that last thing on the, I swear, because I was thinking about this last night too. Do you realize that the FBI thing happened, right? The whole, uh, the whole deal with the FBI investigating college basketball and that prompts the Rice Commission put together by Emmert, mandated by Mark Emmert. And that's where they start recommending some of these things. And they get a working group for name, image, and likeness, right? Do you realize? I think people, people, most people don't realize this. They spent like two years, two plus years on trying to establish all of the parameters on how to do NIL. And then in the past month, they just chucked it. They just <laughs> said, F, F y'all, we're just going to give it to the schools. And then the schools have to decide. It's, it is... Oh, it's a portrait of incompetence. It's phenomenal. Like, I, I haven't talked to, like, Val Ackerman, Big East Commissioner, is one of the people that was on that on that group. But if I'm like Val Ackerman and I, and I literally spent, you know, 200 combined hours of my life doing this and then it amounts to nothing, like, I'm straight up pissed. Like, you just wasted my time. Vintage NCAA just to dump it on the schools in the final two weeks and get it done literally less than eight hours before it had to be done Congrats. The, the thing to remember is that their goal was never actually to implement name, image, and likeness rules. Their goal was to say that we're working on it and delay, delay, delay. And they delayed literally to the last day that they could. I mean, they took Amazing. it all the way to the last day that they could. And then they said, up to you guys, handle it however you want. We're not trying to go back to court. It is, it is a classic unsurprising but classic NCAA story that, um, again, shouldn't be that surprising. Moving on. Penny Hardaway, after interviewing for the Orlando Magic job, announced that he's staying at Memphis and he's hiring Larry Brown to his staff. He didn't announce that, but that should be announced soon. We'll spend a few minutes on it next. First, though, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Penny Hardaway interviewed for the Orlando Magic job, but subsequently announced he's going to remain at Memphis, possibly because he knew he wasn't getting the Orlando Magic job. Either way, uh, then... After that announcement, what has been more or less known for a month was confirmed within hours of Penny's announcement, specifically that Hall of Famer Larry Brown is joining the Memphis staff. Uh, you might have heard, I live here, which means I might be too close to it to see it properly. So what's an outsider's view 
of the latest developments at Memphis, that Penny Hardaway will remain the coach for a fourth season and sitting beside him inside FedEx Forum will be, by the time the season starts, 81-year-old Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown. He's going to be 81. <laughs> he will turns 81 in September. Uh, Memphis probably has the most interesting staff in the sport now. <laughs> I mean, you got Cody Topper on, on the staff who uh, – Bright young man. I think he'll be a head coach eventually. If he wants to be, came from the NBA. You obviously got Penny. Um, and now you add in Larry Brown. I, I, I don't know what this does for your program. I, as, I, as I mentioned to you in Slack, a, a, am I really about to go to Peach Jam in two weeks, be sitting there watching Jalen Dern in a game, and I'm going to see Larry Brown rocking some, some shoes that I could never wear, that I could never get, in Memphis gear, strutting in to the Riverview Park Activity Center. Is that is that actually going to happen? I'm going to see this that happen? Is, that is my understanding. 80-year-old Larry Brown oh is going to be gosh. a Peach Jam evaluating prospects. Okay. Like, I, I texted with Larry the other night. You know, there, there's some thought that, like, at 80 years old, can you still do the job? He can still text. He's a great texter. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And so, I'm uh, – I, I, listen I, – as someone who hosts a radio show in the Memphis market, this is great. We've been talking about it for a month. I know the country was just made aware of it like yeah, yeah, yeah. the other day, but we've been talking about this for a month that, that this was in the works and, and probably going to happen. And so, you know, I, I it, it, it's a fascinating story. I mean, you know, Penny, you know, Penny, Penny played for Larry in the NBA very briefly, but mm. he did. And so that is the connection. And for people who don't know the backstory, the day Penny was introduced as the Memphis coach, he was talking about Larry Brown. In fact, I think if you go back and read the first story I ever wrote, this was in advance of the American Athletic Conference tournament that doubled as the final games of the Tubby Smith era. You know, I reported that Memphis was considering firing Tubby Smith and replacing him with Penny Hardaway. And one of the things Penny Hardaway would try to do is add Larry Brown to his staff. And then Penny was in or got the, they fired Tubby. They hired Penny. Penny was introduced and he publicly talked about Larry Brown. The athletic director at the time, Tom Bowen would not allow him to hire because as accomplished as Larry Brown is, he has been the head coach of three different college basketball programs and UCLA, Kansas and SMU and, and all, and all three have been, um, have endured NCAA issues. Uh, that's right. It, and, and so like that Tom Bowen, the athletic director at the time was like, this just, we're not doing it. You know, we just, we can't, um, you know, and, and I know Penny was frustrated by it, but the AD at the time put his foot down. Well, that AD is no longer at Memphis. Laird Veach is now the athletic director at Memphis. And I don't want to speak for Laird, but I, I think you can assume he, this ain't his idea. He's not, he's not necessarily thrilled about this. I'm certain he has reservations, but ultimately this time Penny is getting, uh, getting what he wants. And now he'll have, I don't think there's any debate, the most accomplished college assistant in the history of college basketball. Yes. I mean, Larry, Larry Brown is the only coach in history to win an NBA title and, yeah. and, and an NCAA title. He, uh, he won an uh, NCAA title at Kansas and then won an NBA title with the Detroit Pistons. Still the only coach to, to do that at, at both levels. And now he's an assistant coach or soon will be an assistant coach at the University of Memphis. And we're going to take him to the Augusta Hooters. <laughs> I feel like we have to. 
Me, you, and Larry Brown, the Augusta not, Hooters. You know damn well we don't get to that coveted spot until like 11.30 at night. Eh, maybe 11. He's not making it that late. Larry Brown's for all not of the, For all of the attention the Augusta Hooters gets in July... It's kind of lame, isn't it? Of course it, it like is. The, I never want to go. I never want to go there. I'm the never service, suggesting going there. I know that much. I'm the never service, the one rallying the, the crew to get there. The Not service me. is always slow. They're always doing last call a little too early. The Augusta Hooters as a special place in every coach and basketball writer's heart. But it's actually not like that great of a spot. I say we mix it up. Although it's been two years, so there might be some misplaced nostalgia. Okay, real quick on this. Here's what I was told with the Penny stuff. And here's my interpretation of it all. So I got told by someone with, uh, with really good ties at the NBA level that Penny Hardaway was not a serious candidate to get the Orlando Magic job. That report came out, and that was an overstated report. Yes, he interviewed... Uh, yes, they were intrigued by him, but it never actually reached a point where he was going to get the job. This is just information I was given by someone who oh, I... That, 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 would you back that up? Okay. okay. Yeah, no, that, that is true. Like, he interviewed... He was more impressive than they assumed he would be. Um, but once you bottom line it, this is what I was told. Penny was never going to get a job offer. Like, like the leading candidate appears to be Kenny Atkinson. But if Kenny Atkinson doesn't get it, somebody else is going to get it. It was just never going to mm-hmm. be Penny Hardaway. So what's today? Thursday? I guess it was yeah. on Tuesday as I'm doing my radio show. I said I, I said exactly this. Like he's just he he is a quote candidate in, you know, in the sense that it's been reported by a reputable reporter, but he's not getting that job. And at some point he will know he's not getting that job. And then he will announce that he's going to remain the head coach at Memphis before. Um, Orlando makes a hire so that he can always say, well, I pulled out of that before they even made it higher. This is coaching carousel right. 101 stuff. Like I can't tell you, and I'm sure this happened to you as well, how many times an agent or a coach has called or texted and said, hey, I uh, just want to let you know I'm no longer a candidate for that job. If you get that out there, that's good. Or or I just wanted to let you know my guy so-and-so is no longer a candidate for that job. You know why he's no longer a candidate for the job? Because he knows he's not getting the job. So like, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not asking the girl out because I know she's going to say no. Like that, he runs into a little bit of that stuff. And so you're exactly right. He was not going to, he did interview and, and I think was interested. Like the real interesting question is like, yeah, if yeah. they would have offered the job, would he have left? Right. I think probably. Um, you know, any, even in his announcement, he, he, he didn't do the thing that some coaches do. Like, this is where I want to be. This is where I always want to be. I've got the best job in the world. Like he didn't say that he was like, I do want to coach in the NBA someday, <laughs> you know, and, and man, wouldn't it be great if it was Orlando, but now's not the time, you know? Um, and, and so I, I, I think there's a decent chance, if not good chance, he would have taken the Orlando job if it was offered and the Memphis be trying to hire a basketball coach in July with an IAR, uh, IARP case lingering and, and an outgoing president. You know, that wouldn't have been the easiest task in the world. But, um, you know, he wasn't going to get the job. So he will remain at Memphis and Larry Brown will sit right beside him. Trivia time. Lay it on me. As noted, Larry Brown won an NCAA title and NBA title as a head coach. He's obviously the only soon-to-be college assistant who can check both of those boxes as a coach. But there is at least one Mm. current college assistant Mm. who won an NCAA title Mm -hmm. as a player Mm. and an NBA title as a player. Can you name him? Oh, 
I thought you were going to go Jim Herrick there because he's on staff at. Is he still on staff at Cal State uh, yeah. Northridge? I, I, th- I think Jim that Her- thing's teeter. I think that thing's teetering. <laughs> I think, by the way, Larry Brown and Jim Herrick are the two oldest coaches uh, in the sport. They're both north of eighty now. All right, so one. So there's a sitting assistant that yes. won an NBA title and an NCAA title. Yes. Uh, okay. This is where everyone can play along at home. If you're a fan of the team, you know it immediately. Let's see. Uh, I want you to give me a small hint, but I by no means want you to give me the hint where I like immediately okay. know. So small hint. Small, small hint. Uh, just a small hint. This assistant coach is currently on staff at his alma mater. Okay. Where he won a national title before going to the NBA and winning an NBA title. Man, what current... And I should know this, right? I'll, I will tell you this. I was just sort of brainstorming about it, and it popped into my head. That's the, that's the way I know it. Not because somebody told me, but it, I was thinking, like, is there anybody as a nobody's, – no, nobody's won those titles as a coach and is now an assistant coach, by definition, because Larry's the only person who's ever done it. But is there a former player who can check both of those boxes as a player? And this person's name actually popped into my head. I'm just skimming. I'm gonna be. I think I'm gonna be annoyed when I can't get this. Give me like 30 more seconds to think on it. Uh, I'm just rolling back through teams that won a national championship. Hold up. Hmm. No. Where did where did where did Danny Manning just get hired to? He just got hired somewhere else. He was a scout last year, and I think he's back. Did, in- did Danny Manning win an NBA title? No, I don't know if he did. That's why that was. But I'm I'm just thinking back to. T- t- programs that won titles uh but i don't think he i don't think he won an nba title uh ncaa title and nba title you got me man who is it i'm gonna be jason terry i'm just so annoyed right now that's just jason so, terry. that's annoying because i was literally just talking about him last week keep an eye whether or not jason kidd hires him to the maverick staff not saying it'll happen, but there is curiosity if that'll happen. Jason freaking Terry. I should have gotten that. Jason Terry won a national title at Arizona in 1997, won a NBA title with the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, and is currently on Tommy Lloyd's staff at Arizona. Another person who checked both boxes, no longer a college assistant, but was Bill Wagner. <laughs> won an NCAA title 1986 at Louisville. Won an NBA title, nineteen eighty eight, with the Lakers, and then was an assistant coach at Memphis, UTEP, and Auburn. There we go. I have looked it up. Danny Manning did not win a title in the NBA. That's one of the big problems with spending so many years with the Clippers. It just ruins your chances. Uh, did not win an NBA title, and is currently an assistant coach at Maryland. Boom. One more thing before we get out of here. Um, there's a significant NBA draft decision in recent days. Dwayne Washington Jr., Ohio State's leading scorer, announced he's remaining in the NBA draft despite the likelihood that he's not going to be selected. Um, he's guard, averaged 16.4 points per game last season, shot 37.4% from three. How big of a blow is this to Chris Holtman's Buckeyes dead leg? Um, I, I mean, they were anticipating this, so it is a blow. How far did you drop him? From 6th to 18th. Okay, so the other big question is whether EJ Liddell returns or not, and I've been told that's viewed as a 50-50 proposition at this point. If you lose Washington and Liddell, uh, I would say Ohio State is not a top 25 team heading into the season. So keep an eye on that. No, But that is that is a significant one. 
that I mean, you really dropped him. Uh, yeah, and I don't even know if he's going to get drafted, by the way. But whether or not you get drafted is is often not a factor in these players' decisions anymore, given the way two-way contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right or wrong, it's it used to be: Are you a guaranteed first-round pick? If you're not, okay, I think I'm going to return to school. Then it was like: Will you have a good shot at going in the second round? Yes or no? Maybe it'll change. Now it's like. As long as you think that you are considered like, or at least you're being told that you're like a top 75 guy in your class, then way more often than not these days, you're going to wind up leaving. That's the case with Dwayne Washington. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but hey, more power to him. And now it hurts Ohio State in the process there. So you had him at six? I had him at six. They're strong. Man. I've got, I got, I had and still do have EJ Liddell projected on the roster. Yeah. I, I'm with you. If you lose him as well, now you're you're borderline top twenty five and one as opposed to to you know I have them eighteenth at this moment, um, and and this is one of those situations we've we've talked about lots of times. You know it, it is unlikely that Dwayne Washington Jr. will be drafted. Not impossible, but unlikely. But it is likely that he will get a two way deal or some type of deal. Like he'll be making money playing mm-hmm. basketball in the United States next year. I would assume and but but like by no means a situation where he you got to go you're projected top 10 pick you got to go and and so one of the things I have been noting for years is that these are often the decisions that shape the top of the sport it is not usually Mm -hmm. where the number one player number one prospect in America goes to school I mean, it sometimes is. Anthony Davis is a great example of that. But we spend so much time focused on recruiting classes and five-star prospects. And they those decisions don't often shape the tip-top of the sport as much as decisions like Dwayne Washington Jr., established, proven, high-level players at, at, at prominent programs who can leave if they want reasonably, but man could come back to school and be the difference in you being a final four team Mm -hmm. or being a round of 32 team. Last season is a perfect example. Jared Butler, Macy OT, both enter the NBA draft. Both could have reasonably stayed in. Like they would have had jobs playing, making money, playing basketball. They both decided to come back to school. Baylor wins the national title. Um, Gonzaga right now is preseason number one, according to most. Drew Timmy is a great example of this. Could have reasonably left school. I don't know that he'd have been a first-round pick, but he might have got picked somewhere. And either way, he'd have been making a paycheck next season playing basketball somewhere. Decides he's coming back to school. Could actually be the difference between Gonzaga being very good and Gonzaga being great. Between Gonzaga being a top-ten team again and Gonzaga being the best team in the country that wins a national championship. These are the decisions. Borderline NBA draft prospects. The schools that get them to come back and do one more year are the ones that often operate at the top of the sport. And, I mean, Io DeSumo at Illinois, Kofi Coburn at Illinois last, same thing. Uh, you, 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 you can't reasonably assume you're getting back a projected first-round pick. In fact, I don't think a single projected first-round pick in this draft is has announced he's coming back to school. Not one. That's right. You cannot assume you're getting those guys back. It's the guys in the 45 to 75 range who are maybe your leading score or second leading score. How many, which schools get those guys back and which schools lose those guys. That's 
that's a big, big factor in when it comes to to determining which teams you and I are going to spend a lot of time talking about throughout the season. And so that's a blow to Ohio State. They just lost one of those guys. Gonzaga got one of those guys back. Ohio State just lost one of those guys. Well, and on that in that vein, okay, there's another program that might take a hit now. Well, probably will take a hit because of this very thing. So, I mean, Josh Primo was the fifth most important player on Alabama's roster last season, but he has had a phenomenal past two months in a pre-draft process. He's gone. He's not returning to Alabama. That's not something that I don't think Nate Oates thought was going to be the case three months ago, maybe not even two months ago. But he might turn into a first-round NBA pick. You know, more power to him. Occasionally, you'll get one of these stories where there's just a guy or two every year whose stock, after the season's done, hasn't played a damn game, uh, just completely gets on a rocket. Primo's one of those dudes. So he's gone, and it was reported... What, yesterday? I mean, Jaden Shackelford's he's in the transfer portal. He's leaving Alabama. That is, that's not good. Um, not sure why. Don't have any information as to why he is in the portal and, and looks to be intent on leading, uh, leaving Alabama. But Alabama's um, a good example where it'll still be a good team in the SEC. I think Nate Oates will have a top three team in the SEC for sure. But losing Shackelford and Primo, on top of the fact that Herbert Jones is gone, it just knocks them down a peg. It was actually kind of a kind of a busy past few days. Uh, part of this is because of the, the deadlines looming with, uh, you had to basically announce by today if you're going to transfer, you have to be in the portal today to be eligible for next season. Um, Marcus Carr is going to return to college. Uh, he's out of the draft, but he's going to almost certainly leave Minnesota, of course. He'll probably be... I want to say Marcus Carr has a chance to be a top five transfer next season. Where he goes will be interesting. Don't know where it's going to be. Not saying it's going to be this school for sure, but I heard a little bit of buzz about Texas potentially there. Man, Texas could be a monster if they, if they get Marcus Carr. So he's one. Uh, we mentioned Maryland with, um, with Danny Manning. Eric Ayala is returning, which I think is the right call. Uh, they'll have a. I think Maryland will have actually a, a quality team. He'll team up with Fats Russell. And then the other big one, you mentioned Baylor. James Akinjo got a waiver cleared. He played. He started at Georgetown, played at Arizona last season, and then transferred to Baylor. He's going to be available for the Bears. I mean, they're going to have Baylor is again going to be. I don't. I don't know where you have them, GP. But you tell me Akinjo's available. I'm saying. I mean, for sure, top fifteen and potentially top ten. They'll have what Matthew Meyer, uh, Flagler. There's a player named LJ Cryer who I know they're big on there. So the. Um, Everyday John will be back as well. Baylor's interesting. The Akinjo stuff, not a shocker, but certainly significant for the reigning national champions to get a player of his caliber eligible because that wasn't a 100% surefire thing, but that landed on Wednesday afternoon. They're also enrolling a five-star wing, Kendall Brown, and I've got Baylor seventh you know, yeah. in the top 25 and one. I My latest update does not include the Alabama developments. I will probably update version 16.0 uh, at, at some point today or early tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Alabama obviously takes a hit. There was a time where I had Alabama in, in the top five. Uh, that's probably now going to have to go outside of the top 10. But sometimes these things aren't actually happening in a vacuum. Sometimes it's because, you know, and Alabama's still in there with some high level guys. Sure. Like it's sometimes players don't, 
players transfer not simply because they want to get out of there, but because they have a, a pretty good idea of what might be coming. And so um, I, 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 Nate Oates is, appears to be losing a couple of players in recent days. I, I bet you his roster is not set. I, I bet you he'll he'll get some replacements. Will they be as good as the, as what he's losing? I'm not sure, but um, I'll, I'll be shocked if if he doesn't add an impact prospect or transfer um, at, at, at some point in the coming days, weeks, or months. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Tim Bush, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic. Who the pandemic. hell is Tim Bush? I just saw his name. Who is Tim Bush? I actually don't remember him at all. <laughs> I just I go I just go no, to I, Baylor's yeah, rosters. I just go I go oh, I'll go check out the 2004 Baylor Bears. Here's Tim Bush. He'll be today's legend. He'll be the legend of this episode. That's my Bush. Terry Teagle screwed up. Did Terry Teagle own that own that spot, and then he acted like he didn't know us. So we move on. We won't be asking Terry Teagle to tweet about the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Yeah, no, I move on. Like you know what? I, I have an issue with somebody. I don't spend much time thinking about it. I just move on. Now, now I can replace you. <laughs> like Bay- Baylor has had a whole bunch of players come through that program. You ain't the only one, Terry Teagle. Do I have a Terry Teagle Baylor schedule that I purchased on eBay sitting behind me right now? I do, but it's now face down. <laughs> it's face down. I'll be shopping on eBay for Tim Bush, Tim Bush items. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be one... I don't know if Tim Bush might have been able to capitalize off his name image and likeness during his playing days, but who the hell knows? For all I know, Tim Bush is listening. Shouts to you, Tim Bush. Shouts to you. You're a legend, Tim Bush. You're, you're, you're a legend. Thanks for listening. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. Rate it. Leave a nice review. They're always fun to read. Either way, we're going to talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care.